my field daisies. Welcome to the 7th episode of Daisy Days, the podcast. Today's life lesson is it's okay to take breaks. I took last week off from recording the podcast. I tried to record it and it just didn't sound right, so I just took a week off. And I say this every single week, but this life lesson is easier said than done. Uh, We live in a society where it is go, go, go. A lot of us work nine to fives and we only have a certain allotted amount of vacation days that we often have to save for sick days. And we live in a society that doesn't value taking time off. But sometimes you really need uh, time to take a break. Um, it's, it's recharging, it's rejuvenating, and sometimes you just really can't work anymore. Um, so even if you can't necessarily take time off of work, just try to find moments throughout the day, whether it be in the morning, during lunch, or after you get off of work, to really spend time doing things that not only make you happy, but also recharge you for the next day. Alright, so today's episode is not going to be related to anything like that. We're going to be talking about Facebook. They had their developers conference last week and there are some exciting and drastic changes that they're making to their interface that's going to change the whole way you use their app, Instagram, and WhatsApp. So buckle up, it's going to be a really, really interesting ride. So, without further ado, roll the intro music. Thank you again, Yaren Gibson, for that wonderful intro song, and hello, my field daisies. Today, we are going to be talking about one of the oldest social media uh, apps out there, uh, probably the oldest one that is still actively functioning. You all know it. It is called Facebook. So Facebook just recently had their developers conference uh, last week, and a lot of new developments are going to be happening to the interface of the application that is going to change the way you use it. This is probably the biggest changes they've ever made to the app. And um, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, during his keynote speech, really wanted to emphasize that privacy is going to be the future of Facebook. The future of Facebook is private. Uh, He even tried to make a joke uh, that, you know, Facebook is not really being known currently for its privacy standards, but the joke kind of fell flat. No one really laughed, and that is because uh, it's not really a laughing matter how deep in the hot water that Facebook is in terms of its battles with the FTC over its misuse of user data, of allowing its user data to be accessible by uh, Cambridge, which is basically uh, a political advertising company in a certain way. Um, They have been known to have interfered with the 2016 presidential election uh, with ties to Russia even. Um, I'm sure you've all heard about how... um, Facebook's user data was being used to target people who are uh, susceptible to misinformation and that might have skewed the voting during our 2016 presidential election. It is extremely serious and the FTC is planning on fining Facebook the biggest fine they've ever given around three to five billion dollars of fines over this scandal and It's interesting because that Mark Zuckerberg would even have the audacity to make a joke about it because he is also in hot water personally as the FTC is trying to decide if he should be liable uh, for all of the mess that Facebook is in, which is extremely interesting in the fact that... uh, 
we have always been known for limited liability companies, right? So we've always had this notion of companies being separate from their owners. For example, Tesla right now is in a legal battle over its autopilot uh, misfunctioning and a driver was basically... Um, his hands were not on the wheel, and he rammed into the um, the midst the segue of a uh, highway, and he died. And now the family is suing Tesla over uh, basically uh, uh, sort of a misappropriating or misconskewing its uh, its reliability of autopilot, and basically making it seem uh, more reliable than it actually is. But the thing is, Elon Musk is not necessarily being held accountable for Tesla and uh, the death of this guy, yet Mark Zuckerberg might um, be liable for all of the misuse of user data of Facebook. Uh, The company has been really adamant about not uh, putting him in this hot seat, given the fact that there are 35,000 employees in Facebook, and he cannot necessarily, as they proclaim, he cannot necessarily be completely liable for all of his employees. It's a really, really interesting time in terms of business, really, and how much um, a owner or CEO of a business is in terms how 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 liable he he is for things like Cambridge and the tampering of the 2016 presidential election. That being said, uh, we are really going to dive deep into how he is Mark Zuckerberg and the and the Facebook as a company is trying to um compensate compensate for everything that's been going on in terms of. Uh, their privacy issues. So the main thing, the main, there's there's a few main points that he really, really wants to um, emphasize, and that is end-to-end encryption, secure data storage, private interactions, reduced permanence, and intro-operability. Interoperab- um, and I'm going to explain Uh, kind of what each of these mean and what actions Facebook is taking to implement these changes. So these changes aren't going to happen overnight, but it it gives a blueprint as to the future of all social media, really, and especially Facebook. So the main thing they are really focusing on is their messenger app. That is going to be a more prominent thing going forward, which I find very interesting because I know a lot of people that don't use messenger. Um, But yeah, Messenger, if you don't know, is Facebook's messaging system. Um, It used to all be on the Facebook app, but they separated that a few years ago. And so they are making it faster, more light speed, that um, they're going to basically make it use less battery, less storage. It was originally at 127 megabytes. They're cutting it down to less than 30 megabytes with a 1.3 cold start time. That in itself is very, very impressive. I don't understand uh, coding or engineering enough to really explain how they are doing this. But yeah, in terms of interoperability, I hope I'm saying that right. But that basically means the seamless um, use, I guess, of... um, different platforms together. Best way I can really describe it is using Facebook as an example. Um, when I was reading about it on Google, like literally 10, 15 minutes ago, they used co- sort of like um, health companies or as an example. And so uh, your, I guess, confidential um, information when you go see doctors or psychiatrists or whatever, all of this is in a very secure place and all this data can um, be transferred from different platforms and you're going to be able to access this data um, securely. Um, I guess the intro is the internal and then operability is the operation. So internal operations, I guess is the best way to describe it. Facebook is basically going to make Messenger the hub for all of its uh, applications. So you're going to be able to call and message through Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all through Messenger. And they're 
completely uh, redesigning the whole interface and the fact that there's going to be a second tab, which is going to be a feed of your close friends. I don't know how they're going to to figure like how are they going to justify who's a close friend and who's not I know on Instagram currently in terms of your stories you can uh, filter out and create a close friends story so if you are one of the close friends uh, you'll see their stories but their circle will light up green meaning that you have been chosen as one of their close friends and you can see this private story so I'm wondering if they're going to use algorithms or if they're going to let people choose who they are going to put on the second tab of this messenger app but yeah it's going to be a feed of your friends you'll see their statuses their posts and you're going to be able to post I think directly to the second tab not too sure about that but yeah like I said, not that many people that I know really use Messenger. I still use Messenger because um, there's people that I want to keep in contact that I exclusively message through Messenger, actually. And I have to say, uh, their video conferencing and phone conferencing is pretty legit. It, it's, it oftentimes works better for me than Skype even in terms of the video quality and the quickness, I guess. There's not really that much lag uh, when it comes to Facebook audio and uh, video calling services. Um, I also use WhatsApp, but very, very um not that much I don't really use I only have a few people on my whatsapp messenger um, and so that is another issue that Facebook really might face is the fact that they can make all these changes but if users don't necessarily use these applications it's kind of all for naught um, so I'm wondering how if um, if they really, really uh, spend a lot of time and money on these interfaces, that people might be more inclined to re-download Messenger and to use it. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to get rid of Messenger on Instagram and make it so that you have to use the separate Messenger app to message people across all of Facebook's uh, franchises. That's probably not the right word, franchise, but basically Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp. Uh, but yeah, it is it is um, it is really interesting that they're making a more focus toward private interactions. So uh, I think this is the right step. Uh, I still personally use Facebook mainly for the groups that I am a part of, and now they're going to be making groups a more prominent position on Facebook. So it's going to get a bigger tab. You're going to be able to post directly to a group in the status um, update bar. So currently when you post in the status update bar, it goes directly to your profile and that is still going to be um, available, but you're also going to have an option to post directly to a group through that. And I think that is um, the right step to go to. And um yeah, it's, yeah, so Messenger, just to go back to that really fast, um, it's also going to be a private desktop app, so currently you have to go to a web browser to use Messenger, but now it's going to be uh, so that you can have a separate desktop app that exclusively opens to Messenger, and um, yeah, I think, I don't know if Messenger is going to have a groups tab, but um, I know for a fact that the website itself is going to have a groups tab, um, making it so that groups are more discoverable to you. And I don't know if they're going to um, make suggestions, but uh, theoretically, they could make suggestions based on the groups that you're a part of, groups that you might be interested in. Um, if you haven't ever used a Facebook group, um, some of them are private and some of them are public. So some of them you can just join without um without having to get approved by the owners of the group some groups are private so there I am part of a film networking group from Berkeley and that is a private group so you have to be approved by the um I guess the administrators to join this group and I really really like the fact that um while these groups are discoverable groups um, as an integral part or just the essence of a group is 
you have to uh, kind of click to join. And so um, they're also going to really, really um, be building business through Facebook. So a lot of question is now being asked, how is Facebook book going to be making money if they aren't necessarily, uh, users aren't necessarily posting public anymore and they aren't necessarily being shown ads as much because of the end-to-end encryption, um, advertisers aren't necessarily going to really theoretically know what um, the users like and what they dislike and what they click and what they don't click. And so, I think now Facebook is really trying to make it so that instead of getting advertiser money, but instead making it so that users can buy um, within the application. So there's going to be a native support for shipping and purchasing within the Facebook app. So say you see some really cute clothes that might be pushed to you as an advertisement, or maybe it's a page that page that you like, um, and they're posting a, you know, cute swimsuit or whatever, you're going to be able to click on it, buy it, and put on your credit card information, etc., and have it shipped to you without ever having to leave the Facebook app. Um, they are also going to be revolutionizing, I guess, uh, company pages in terms that they're going to be able to post job openings now on Facebook. And I'm assuming all of this is going to be free. Um, maybe businesses will have to pay a fee to Facebook for allowing this native um, support for shipping and shopping. Um, and there's going to have to be some changes they're going to be made because at the end of the day, social media is a business and it's Facebook has been really, really supported by advertisements and selling ad spaces. So I think they are still going to be able to sell, um, advertisements to businesses, but there, there's probably going to be a lot more limitations in terms of how they target people. Or if they do target people, that this information remains in a secure data data storage place. So, for example, if they want to target 18 to 24-year-old girls who, I don't know, <laughs> like Forever 21, um, I think this, this user data might still be available, but you're not going to be able to pinpoint a certain name or person that is tied to this information. So there's going to be some anonymity um, to all of this. Um, and WhatsApp, who, and they really touted that WhatsApp is already a pretty private encrypted um, messaging service. So they're not necessarily really going to be needing much change there, but they are adding, um, so basically like um, business fronts and shopping and stuff within the WhatsApp as well. Yeah. In terms of all of this privacy, um, while they are t- they are really emphasizing that, they are also emphasizing ways to connect with other people besides, um, I guess, adding friends. So like I've already mentioned that you're going to be able to discover groups um, that you might be interested in being a part of, but they are also launching uh, Facebook dating I have a lot of qualms with this, but let me explain what it is first. So basically, uh, you're going to be able to, it's going to be completely separate from your profile, but you can also create a dating profile on Facebook in the future. And it's going to be separate from your main profile and only available to other people who opt into Facebook dating. I don't know if they're going to do a Tinder sort of situation or a Bumble situation. I really, really hope they don't. Um, I personally don't think anyone is going to be using this feature in particular just because the main demographic I feel that still actively uses Facebook is a older demographic and these people are married or don't necessarily um aren't necessarily part of the online dating culture um people my age um the millennials are not necessarily really on Facebook anymore I can say 
The only time we really use Facebook is for big announcements. So, oh, we switch colleges or jobs or we are getting engaged. We don't necessarily use it to post actively anymore. And I can't see um, my generation really using this. Um, and 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 so they, I don't know what Facebook dating is going to look like, but they're offering a feature called secret crushes. So um, yeah, basically you're going to be able to privately select, I don't know, like up to eight people or something who you have a secret crush on and if they also put you as their secret crush it's a match and you'll be able to see that you both have a crush on each other I mean that sounds interesting in theory um but like I said no one really uses Facebook like that anymore and so I really think this is going to be a major major dud in my opinion and I really don't think Facebook needs to get into the online dating space anyway. I feel like that is very irrelevant. And especially because the whole Tinder culture, there is um, a lot of, I wouldn't even necessarily call it abuse. That's like probably too strong of a word. But there is a Instagram page called Inst like Tinder Nightmares, if that gives you any indication of the interactions that some people get on Tinder. Basically, people anonymously send um, screenshots of their messages of people being basically inappropriate on um, on Tinder. I'm, I'm actually going to look up one right now to just kind of maybe like a more PG version of one that um, kind of gives you a taste because yeah, I really don't think um, Facebook needs to get in on this drama, drama really, because it is, like I said, a nightmare. So Tinder nightmares, if you want to go look at them on Instagram, let's look at what their latest, um, sorry, some of these are really funny. Uh, and these are really inappropriate and I'm trying to keep this a little like basically PG 13. Um, but this is, there's no cursing in this one. So the person messaged, do you like burgers? And then the person messaged, yes, I do. And then they said, then you'll definitely like my meat in your buns. Like it's, it's stuff like that, that gets messaged on Tinder. And so I don't think Facebook is necessarily really prepared for that. Um, Bumble is a little bit better. I'm not trying to be, you know, there's difference between men and women, but there is a distinct difference between the way men and women message each other on these dating apps. You, you would, you, you would rarely hear a woman, um, giving these, uh, pickup lines, I would have to say. And so Bumble is a bit better in the fact that women message first. And I would have to say, um, yeah, I personally have never messaged a guy like that. But I, you know, I, I digress. Anyway, like I don't, I don't really like this particular feature. Um, currently it's in 14 countries today, like Colombia, Thailand, Argentina, Mexico, Canada, and it is said to be in the US by the end of the year. I sincerely doubt it, honestly. I don't, I guess it just depends on how, because they, they launched it in like 11 more um, countries, I think. And so I guess it's going to be a matter of how well this feature does in other countries um, as to whether or not it is going to be operable, operable in the US. That being said, um, I think we should do a short, sincere shout out. Um, I'm kind of following the format as I did with the previous episode in that I'm trying not to take any breaks. I'm just kind of talking and going with the flow and incorporating sincere shout outs as I go along. And so my first sincere shout out that I would like to make is to Amazon Fire Stick. Um, it's basically Amazon Fire Stick is the same realm as Apple TV, Roku. Um, it is a uh, device where you can put, plug into an HDMI and um, there is a remote and you're able to access Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, YouTube, etc. It is the new cable in my opinion. I haven't really tried Apple TV or Roku um, I don't, I don't even remember why I wanted to get fire stick really. I think it was because I wanted to access Alexa. 
Um, but I don't personally, like, I don't think the Alexa on Fire Stick is that intelligent. But yeah, no, I really think this is the future of cable. Like, I was trying to use cable at my house, and there's just so many remotes and so many buttons, and it's funny how that's what I grew up on, but now that I'm so used to Fire Stick and the, it's literally, um, just a toggle where you can click on different apps and that's it. Like, it's so, so simple. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, I recommend it. I think it's, it's cheaper than Apple TV and I think it's a little bit better than Roku. So yeah. And especially if you use Amazon prime a lot, or even if you don't, cause I don't use Amazon prime necessarily per a lot per se. Um, I guess one criticism I would have of Amazon fire stick is that the movies and TVs of Amazon prime is given more prominence over the other applications, but, um, it's not a deal breaker for me. Anyway, back to uh, Facebook and its uh, quest on privacy. So um, I really want to switch gears to Instagram now, which, as if you if you guys don't know, is owned by Facebook. So they are making a lot of interesting changes, or I guess they're testing a lot of different changes that this is like what really, really interests me because I feel like my generation really uses Instagram a lot. So if they end up implementing these changes, it's going to be really, really revolutionary in terms of how we use the app. So the first, the first thing that they're changing is not necessarily that revolutionary. They're basically going to redesign the camera which is um, their their knockoff of Snapchat, right? So when you open up the, the Snapchat app, it goes directly to the camera where you can have filters, post, and then post on, send your snap to friends or post it on your public Snapchat story. They're redesigning Instagram stories and the fact that when you go to the camera, um, it's going to ne- necessarily be a camera anymore. They're quote unquote calling it create mode. And so sometimes you want to share on Instagram, share a poll or share a countdown, but you don't necessarily have a picture to go with it. A lot of people have been uh, bypassing this by, you know, taking a black picture or taking or, you know, uploading a blank picture and then posting the quiz or the sticker or whatever. Um, now you're going to be able to do that, uh, within the app. You're not going to have to upload a photo and then go to, um, the like stickers to find the poll or find whatever you're looking for. Um, and this is its quest really to reduce permanence. And so they are really, really emphasizing, uh, communication that is not permanent anymore. Um, while of course you're still going to be able to post your Instagram feed, I think they are predicting, and I think they're predicting correctly that a lot more people are going to be posting on stories instead. So that is really where you post your daily life, right? So your Instagram feed is your curated, beautiful, perfect photos. Whereas Instagram stories kind of just shows you and your everyday, right? So you, whatever you eat, where you go, etc. Um, and I think they are really mm, banking on the fact that this is going to be sort of the future of social media in a certain respect. Um, and the, the idea of re- reduced permanence, I think, is um, really, really good, especially in the world that we live in now, because you can post something and it'll be gone within 24 hours. So I mentioned this years ago in a blog post about how it makes you feel more comfortable to post, right? Because at the end of the day, no one's going to really remember within the next 24 hours what you post, but you can still get the information out there and people can still vaguely remember it and it can come up in conversation, but it doesn't have to come back and haunt you. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's it's a good move really to redesign the camera to make it more functional. And they are also going to be opening up. Um, so I don't know if they own Spark AR Studio or if they're just working with Spark AR Studio. So they're going to be opening up the platform for developers to create, I think, filters or stuff on Instagram um, or basically just augmented reality Um filters games i know in snapchat they have bitmojis where if you 
click on the click on the uh, filter like basically you hold down on the camera and it pops up all your filters there's also little cute things like your bitmoji dancing or something and it, it uses ar technology to have them dancing on a table or you can hold your hand out and a hummingbird comes out of it stuff like that and so that i think is going to be a game changer especially um so they're basically what they're doing is they're opening up the beta on instagram and instagram stories so everyone is going to be able to build on it and I'm hoping that uh, that means that there's going to be better filters finally on Instagram because the Instagram filters are so bad and they're oftentimes just um, advertising, right? So Taylor Swift had her new song, Me, come out and I don't get, like, I love Taylor Swift, but man, I do not really like Me. That being said, whenever it comes on, I do listen to it. It is really catchy, but I really liked um, the blank space Taylor Swift a lot better like after she did the reputation album I don't know I just I fell out of love I was I was more of a enchanted sparks fly old school Taylor anyway I digress anyway anyway I digress she has a filter on Instagram stories um that was leading up to her um her release of the new single and i'm wondering if it's still out now um i don't think so but basically it it followed the sort of um uh, Easter themed colors, not Easter, like, like pastel colors that she's now going for in terms of her new, um, style. Yeah, it's still up there. Um, no, actually, is it? Huh? Yeah. Anyway, like I'm looking at Instagram's filters right now and they're just, I don't know, they're just not as good as, um, Snapchat's. And then a lot of it is, um, like I said, advertising in terms of there's a peekaboo Nala cat. I wonder if Nala cat paid them to have peekaboo Nala cat on there or what else is there? Giant by Calvin Harris. This is a um, filter on um, Snapchat, <laughs> Instagram now. And so, like I said, like there's like Snapchat has these as well, but I feel like Instagram Stories has this a lot more. There's a Kaleidoscope by Dior etc. Things like that. Ariana Grande, Kylie Jenner, they have um, Instagram filters as well. But I'm hoping with the development of Spark AR and the and the ability for everyone to be able to create filters on Instagram that will lead to more choices. And yeah, maybe that's also, this is, I'm just jumping right now, but I feel like maybe that's how Instagram and Facebook are going to be making money. Because like at the end of the day, like I keep on saying social media is a business. So I'm wondering how they're going to stay afloat now that privacy is going to be a main factor. Um, I guess they're just going to be able to sell filters like this or whatever. Um, but yeah, that is not the big announcement necessarily in terms of Instagram changing its interface. The main thing is that right now, currently they're testing in Canada, um, getting rid of like counts like counts. Can you believe that? So basically what it's going to happen is you're going to be able to see who likes a post, um, but you're no longer going to be seeing counts. So, you know, people that get millions of likes or even 10 to 15 likes, they're all going to be on the same playing field. I mean, of course you can go through and manually count, um, all the likes, but it's not going to be a prominent feature on Instagram anymore if, I guess, testing in Canada Canada goes well. Um, they're also making follower counts less prominent. Um, and yeah, so basically you as an owner can see the numbers or you can opt out and not see the numbers of likes at all. And I think this is really, um, I guess, a push towards... Uh, making social media social media a healthier environment to be in because the idea of celebrities or influencers getting millions of likes tens of thousands of likes has a toll on the average Jane and average Joe making them think that their quality of content is not um, up to par because they don't get as many likes and so I think um, I honestly think it's a great idea um, I don't know necessarily how the general public is going to take it, especially um, people that are younger and even influencers, I would say, because a lot of their um, revenue comes from promoting um, products and brands on their Instagram feeds. And they're not going to necessarily be able to show these advertisers 
their engagement rates if they don't necessarily know how many likes they're getting. And this brings to mind, excuse me, <laughs> this brings to mind the fact that um, I'm assuming there's going to be third-party developer apps or whatever that's going to be able to count your Instagram likes. And I'm wondering if these apps are going to have a heyday frenzy if Instagram ends up implementing the removal of like counts, if third-party applications are going to spring up where people can check the counts um, if they if they really want to. Um, and I think... Um, while I, I do think getting rid of likes and making followers less prominent is um, really, really beneficial, I can just only imagine people not necessarily being okay with it because it is such an integral part of social media in general. Um, Facebook likes, the big thumb up, the Instagram hearts. Um, it's all very integrated in the way that we use social media. And so the absence of it, I really wonder how people are going to take it, really. Um, I, 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 I don't know, because like things like TikTok, for example, they're still going to keep their hearts, right? Twitter, probably still going to keep their um, retweets and likes. Um, but I'm wondering if Instagram and Facebook will be the ones to take the charge and really, um, sh you know, show that they're, they're, they, they mean business and they're going to take it away. I wonder if other social media applications are going to follow suit. And I'm wondering if the like function on the, like the thumb on Facebook and the heart on Instagram is going to be used as much anymore if people, if, if, um, if like counts aren't counted, right? Because a lot of people are just like, <laughs> just like they, they say, uh, please like this double tap to fix the image. Cause you know, when the heart, when you double tap it, it likes the image and a heart pops up. And anyway, the, the, the idea of, of gathering and and gathering likes is is so integral to um to instagram and so the idea of it being stripped away i wonder if people are going to start changing the way they use the app where they start liking things less because their 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 support is not necessarily being publicly shown so maybe people don't necessarily feel inclined to um like as much and maybe they'll be more inclined to comment, you know, so they'll be more inclined to leave comments. I think they're still going to be able to count comments, probably. I have no idea. But that being said, Facebook and Instagram, Instagram in particular, are really focusing on um, getting rid of bullying on um, on Instagram. And I think that is really why they have kind of the, the, the main reason why they want to get rid of likes. Because, yeah, people get bullied for not getting enough likes, especially the younger generation. But yeah, in terms of other ways that they plan to fight bullying, there's going to be things like comment filters meaning I think that you can um, feel like I think the owner of the Instagram account are, is going to be able to maybe make words that um, are not allowed in their comment section so suck or something like that like you suck maybe those um, if someone writes that it's not going to pop up in their comments something like that. Or maybe Instagram itself is going to do a worldwide um, global spread of certain phrases that are not going to be allowed in terms of comments on the app. Um, there's also going to be a function called nudges. So if you are posting a lot of negative and bullying comments, you're going to get a nudge being like, I, I think uh, not that I think, but basically Instagram is going to say, I, I see that you're making these posts. Um, please stop. Your account might be blocked if not. Um, and yeah, there's going to be also be things like safety tools, um, a, th a thing called away mode, meaning when you're vulnerable, you can uh, activate this function to uh, turn off your Instagram for a few days or weeks or months. And they used examples such as uh, if you just went through a breakup or you just lost your job or etc. and you're in a very vulnerable place, um, 
you probably should uh, opt out of Instagram because the idea of seeing everyone's perfect lives and all of their um, vacations or their new lovers, whatever, um, probably would not be good for your mental health. So all of these features, I, I believe, um, are in the right step in terms of privacy and um, making in social media a more fun and safe place to spend your time. Uh, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on social media. Nowadays, um, there are uh, trackers on your phones. I know on um, iPhones, there are, I'm sure Android has it as well, but it shows where your screen time is going. And I I have a big hunch that people that do use social media, a lot of their time on their phones is spent on social media, passively browsing, most likely. And so I really, really commend them for trying to do this. Um, I would have to say the only thing I really don't like is Facebook dating. Like, I think that is going to be such a fail. Everything else I really do appreciate. I don't know um, that this all might, in, at the end of the day, um, be a lot of hype and a lot of kind of... Um, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say it's like a Trojan horse. It's not a Trojan horse, but it it sort of might be a cover up in a certain way over the the looming, really, really um, disastrous privacy concerns that they've had over the past uh, year or a few months or so. And this is kind of their their attempt to publicly display that they are still going to be a private platform or they're striving to be a more private platform. Um, and just lastly, let's quickly touch on Oculus, which is also owned by Facebook, if you did not know. Oculus is coming out with um, not only a better Oculus Rift, hold on, let me look at my notes, but they're also coming out with a, uh, a Oculus quest which is basically their samsung gear vr version so there's going to be no cables freedom of movement they're both the same price 399 each the rift i has the cables and i'm assuming has better um graphics but yeah oculus quest looks amazing for 400 dollars, i don't know if it's really it's still it's still a little pricey i think for the average consumer um but it's getting better i would say it's getting better but yeah they're going you're going to be able to do a function called casting where you can cast your gameplay to your phone or your tv so other people can watch you play the game because i think that is a major thing for video games is being able to watch someone as they're playing the game and so yeah it's I think it's gonna be really interesting I love virtual reality and I really and I really um I hope that the technology advances far enough and it gets cheaper enough and it gets better enough that it becomes mainstream because I do think it is the next uh viewing platform um this interactive engaging a way of story storytelling or gameplay is really going to be something beautiful um but yeah uh so it's it's really it's really really cool i think how um vr is um progressing i i don't I, 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 like I said, I mean, I should probably do a whole episode on VR, maybe go over some VR technology, especially as the fall is coming. And I think a lot, you know, with Black Friday, etc., a lot of things are going to be released. And I'm wondering how many pre-sales they're going to get. Um, yeah, <laughs> that being said, um, I don't know, we can do another quick sincere shout out. I was, I was really struggling to figure out what I wanted to sincere shout out for the second one. Um, I don't know. What else do I have? Okay, look, look, I'm literally looking around my desk, but I, I like my phone case. It's really cute. It's, car, it's called, um, it's from a company called Sonia, S-O-N-I-A. I got it at TJ Maxx, but yeah, it's it's cute. It's light, um, and it is 
the reason why I like it is it, it's kind of a, it's not a completely hard case, so it is kind of flexible, but it does have like a hard, ex, like a uh, um, trim or, uh, you know, the, 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 the borders are hard. So it's, it's good in terms of dropping and I've dropped my phone many a times. And yeah, I do think I have a small sliver of a crack now. Um, but yeah, another thing that I highly recommend for all you smartphone users, which is literally everyone, please go get like gorilla glass or a screen protector on your phone, because I think that is literally the reason why my phone is not in pieces right now. So I do have a slim crack, but you can't even tell because I have Gorilla Glass over it and it's probably holding um, my phone together. So yeah, I guess now we can get into some media obsessions. What have I been obsessing over in terms of media? And so I, I in terms of TV, I've sort of been watching or re-watching um, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother is my, you know how we always have those comfort TV shows? Everyone's, some people's comfort TV show is The Office or Parks and Rec or um, 30 Rock, etc. Brooklyn Nine. It's kind of like these sitcoms, um, I think, are a lot of people's comfort shows. And for me, my comfort show is How I Met Your Mother. I know it is problematic in terms of they, they seem a little transphobic in some of the jokes and episodes. Um, and then, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, who plays Barney, it does have this womanizer degrading um, humor. But I just, I can't help but love it. I don't know why. It's just so comforting for me to watch. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's better than Friends, dare I say. Um, I, I haven't watched every episode of Friends, but I've watched every episode of How I Met Your Mother multiple, multiple times. I just think it's a creative show. Um, sometimes they do flashbacks that, that end up, you know, um, culminating together in, um, in really fantastical ways. And because Ted, um, the main character, the story is about how he, how he met the mother of the two children who he's telling the story to. But sometimes he like forgets parts of the story, uh, which makes for really, really entertaining content. Um, but yeah, I also really, really don't like the ending of How I Met Your Mother. But that being said, it, I still, the, the first few seasons are amazing and I still watch it all the time. Uh, yeah, so I've been re-watching that. I've been re-watching re a couple episodes of Futurama. Um, and then, ooh, yeah, that's, that's all in terms of TV, I would say. In terms of books, I have, um, so my problem, I have a problem in reading books, right? Where I will read like half of it or oh, like three-fourths of it and then just stop reading it. Like for example, Sapiens, um, I've read half of it and have not finished the rest of it. I will eventually, but I pulled out some books where I have like finished almost all of it and finally finished them. And those two books that I finally finished are Mamie Hart. She's a YouTuber and she wrote a book called You Deserve a Drink. And it is even if you don't watch YouTube, I really highly recommend it because the stories are hilarious. In the beginning of each of the chapters, she makes a drink that corresponds to the stories. And it's it's great. It's amazing. And I've read half of it. And I was like, I haven't finished it. Why haven't I finished this? And I finally finished it. It was great. I loved it. Highly recommend, even if you don't know her as a YouTuber. And also, second book that I have finished, finally finished reading is Shane Dawson, also a YouTuber. He wrote two books. Um, I read his first book, and I finally, finally finished his second book, It Gets Worse. And oh, the ending was so, like, it is. it has a very David Sedarius humor, I think is how it's described, um, but very self-deprecating, but also just hilarious humor. Um and yeah, the last chapter of the book he actually gave to his mom. His mom wrote a chapter in the book because she's always wanted to be an author. And that's just so sweet and so Shane. Um, and yeah, he actually just won YouTuber of the Year at the Shorty Awards. And I cannot be more happy and proud of him. Um, I've been watching him for a really long time. And his content has evolved to something that is unlike any YouTube genre I have ever seen. And he definitely truly deserves the award um 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and he's so humble and bashful. It was really his, his acceptance speech was actually pretty funny because uh, he ended up just bashfully being like, thank you. Thank you. And then he kind of just wandered off. And then Kathy Griffin, who presented the award, was like, hold up, let me let me do your speech over again, because you definitely don't know how to do this. And he and she finally uh, or she pretended to be Shane and gave a really, really passionate speech. Um, I think Mamrie actually, Mamrie and Grace, so Mamrie Hart and Grace Helbig, they have a podcast called This Might Get. I've told you guys about it. And This Might Get actually used to be a YouTube show, like a daily YouTube show they used to do. It got canceled really abruptly. But yeah, it actually, I think it won a streamy award for a digital series, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll end with a song. So I've always been a fan of Young the Giant. Young the Giant is one of my all-time favorite um, bands, and they just released a new album. I've been listening to it sparingly, sparingly. I'm mispronouncing words left and right. But yeah, one of their songs, I think it's called Superposition. Yeah, it's so, so good. Um, It's a new vibe for Young the Giant, but it still has, I don't know. If you like Young the Giant and you didn't know that they have a new album out, go check it out. It's really good. I feel like Young the Giant is one of those bands that sounds extremely good live. I've never seen them live, but they used to do these things on YouTube um, called like outside sessions or something where they'd go to like all these crazy locations and sing their songs. And it sounded so, it sounded different in a way, but really, really good. Um, But yeah. I guess we're towards the end of this episode. Um, If you want to uh, subscribe to my Patreon, I currently have no Patreon subscribers. So uh, if honestly, if you are the first Patreon subscriber, even if you donate a dollar a month, I'm going to go ahead and make you like my favorite Daisy. I think that's what I've called it. Anyway, whatever the last tier is that you have to pay like an absurd $100 a month, which I don't think anyone is ever going to do. Regardless, if you donate a dollar to me right now, I'll just make you a favorite Daisy just because I really want to give you some prizes for being really awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, as you guys know, the drill, uh, stay tuned after the outro song to hear me recite some poetry. All right. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a daisyish day. Hello, my poetry enthusiast field daisies. Today's poem is going to be a love poem. Since we talked a lot about Facebook dating and secret crushes, I uh, figured why not read a romantic poem. Uh, This is one of my favorite romantic poems. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. There Comes the Strangest Moment by Kate Light There comes the strangest moment in your life when everything you thought before breaks free What you relied upon as ground rule and as right looks upside down from how it used to be. Skin's gone pale, your brain is shedding cells, you question every tenet you set down. Obedient thoughts have turned to infidels and every verb desires to be a noun. I want, my want, I love, my love, I'll stay with you. I thought transitions were the best, but I want what's here to never go away. I'll make my peace, my bed, and kiss this breast. Your heart's in retrograde. You simply have no choice. Things people told you turn out to be true. You have to hold that body, hear that voice. You'd have sworn no one knew you more than you. How many people thought you'd never change? But here you are. It's beautiful. It's strange. 